Hey everyone, back again. Today I'm going to talk about the distinction between constant and variable capital that Marx expounds upon in the second volume of Capital. And this is a concept, or at least the difference between the two, I thought I understood until I really dug into the second volume of Capital. And for any of those, any of you who are following along as I release these videos presenting this text, you will know, or well, you're going to need to know, the difference between these two terms because it's very important and not entirely clear in the first volume. So it really comes out here in, in full detail. So before jumping into that, if you want to follow me anywhere other than here, you can find me on Instagram at theory underscore and underscore philosophy or on Twitter at David Guineo. If you're new here, welcome. I'm David. I try to explain philosophical texts and ideas in a way to make them accessible to you. So if you're new, like, share, subscribe, and you'll see videos I release every single week, sometimes twice a week. And there are something like 250 videos already up or episodes already up that you can go and find if you'd like. If you want to help me out, do all those things. Like, share, subscribe, tell your friends. You can help me out monetarily via Patreon or PayPal. If you found this on YouTube, you're going to be able to find it in podcast form or there shouldn't be any ads. Or if you found this in podcast form, you're going to be able to find the video on YouTube if you're into that at all. So yeah, without further ado, let's jump into this important distinction. Now before Marx, that is with Adam Smith and David Ricardo, there were varying ideas about what constituted constant capital and what constituted variable capital. In the simplest terms, constant capital is made up of things within the means of production, like machines, like your building that you're working in or whatever, that you're only going to have to pay for once. And then you probably won't have to think about for many years to come. Whereas variable capital is going to be spent on things that you're going to have to pay for over and over again. So in the case of Adam Smith, it was understood that things that just changed hands very often, that is the money that would be spent by capitalists to wage earners in the form of wages was variable capital because the money was moving from one place to another where it could then be used to buy food or buy shelter or buy whatever the wage earner wanted to spend that money on. Now, as Adam Smith really correctly pointed out, no single object is born or brought into existence as either constant or variable capital. It really depends on how it's being used. Now, with that being said, he did recognize that some things are relatively immobile, like a building. So a building is going to probably only assume this form of constant capital. But what do we do then with something like raw materials? that need to be bought over and over again. Let's say in industry, in a factory, where coal was going to need to be used in order to produce things. Is coal an example of constant capital? Because the coal is not going to then take its money and then use it to buy food. And you're going to need to keep buying the same product over and over and over again on a very frequent basis, depending on the rate of your actual industry. So where does this fall? Because it seems, on the one hand, given that it is going to be a common thing you're going to have to buy over and over again, and it's not going to change hands as Smith characterized variable capital, it's difficult to really situate it. Now, this is the insight that Marx has in the second volume of Capital, where he says that given the way that Smith and then Ricardo after him, including others, given the way that they imagine the distinction between variable and constant capital, it becomes difficult to really differentiate the two. So Marx intervenes and says that it's not really about whether or not 
a thing is going to be renewed frequently, renewed only once, or you know, will last a very long time. But rather, the way that we can determine the difference and to differentiate constant from variable capital is not even really gonna be in its use, but in actually how it will transmit value to the product being produced. So as he tells us in the first volume of Capital, value really only originates from human labor. And this isn't just Marx, Adam Smith and David Ricardo believe this as well. All value derives from human labor. And that is because all things being produced, all commodities, be they machines, apples, whatever, that are sold on the market are only attributed a value by how much labor was required to go into it and its constituent parts, all the parts of it that make up that thing. So when we actually consider value a little bit more closely, we can then begin to unravel how different objects, different commodities, when put into the means of production, either in the form of labor or in the form of mean, the means of production like machines or raw materials, only when we consider how they actually distribute their value into the product or onto the product that we can then understand whether or not they belong to the domains of either constant or variable capital. Now to put it very simply, constant capital is only going to be able to transmit its total value, and these are gonna vary uh, whether or not it takes a long time or a short amount of time, going to be able to distribute its value exactly onto the products being made. Whereas variable capital, human labor, is going to distribute its value plus a little bit more in the form of surplus value. Now what's peculiar about variable capital in this situation is that it not only distributes value, its value onto a thing, it distributes more. It copies its own value onto something plus extra, almost out of magic, out of nowhere. Now what is also particular about this kind of capital is that it anticipates the regeneration of that value because wage earners are gonna take the money that they earn in order to buy food, to buy shelter, to buy entertainment that will keep them going to be able to come back to work the next day. Now you don't do that with a machine. A machine is just gonna keep working for you. So if you buy one machine that's gonna last you 10 years, you are gonna factor in the cost of that machine, let's say it was $1,000, into 10 years worth of products that you are making. Or if you're making uh, one product over 10 years, you are going to make sure that that end product is going to cover the cost of that machine. So in that way, the machine doesn't really add value on its own. It is only a way to expedite value that might be extracted from humans. So there is a distinction though, even among elements of constant capital, that is capital that is only going to, or commodities, means of production, that are only going to distribute their value onto products through their wear and tear. So between a machine that's gonna last you 10 years and a heap of coal, one of those is going to belong to the subdomain within constant capital as fixed capital. And those are gonna be your machines, your buildings that you're gonna to have to pay for once, put in a little bit of upkeep every now and again, and then you, know, you don't really have to think about it. Whereas the things that you're gonna to have to buy repeatedly in order to keep the operation going that are gonna be completely expended in the production of whatever commodity you're making is gonna to belong to fluid capital. So right now to be as clear as possible, we have constant capital on the one hand and variable capital on the other. 
Constant capital can be broken up into two different categories, and those are fixed constant capital or fluid constant capital, which is also called circulating constant capital. So within this domain of constant capital, we have those things that you spend only uh, a lot of money on probably once and don't have to worry about it for a while. And then there are those things that you have to spend money on quite frequently. And in both cases, they both distribute their value as they wear down into the things being produced. Whereas with variable capital, it is gonna copy its value onto the thing in the capitalist mode of production. And then it is going to be able to add even more than that in how capitalists are gonna be able to extract surplus value from that labor, from that real human labor. Now to reiterate the idea that no given object is itself going to be constant or variable capital or even fixed or circulating capital, he provides the example of cattle. Now, sorry to my vegan and vegetarian friends out there, but this is the example that he gives where cattle, when being used to maybe plow a field, is an example of fixed capital. Whereas if it is being raised to be uh, slaughtered for meat, then it is an example of fluid or circulating capital within the domain of constant capital. So this is just one way to understand how no given object is in itself going to, or no given uh, commodity, in this case cattle, is going to be, is going to belong to either fixed or circulating slash fluid constant capital. Now, when researching this, there are some resources that suggest that within the domain of variable capital, that can be broken up into fixed variable capital or circulating variable capital. And this can be understood in whether or not the employees are expected to work for long periods of time, if they're like contractually obliged to be there for many years, if you know they're paid salaries that will keep them there for a long time, that might be understood as a kind of fixed variable capital, whereas uh, maybe contract work that is very short where you're only paying wages day to day, there's no guarantee that people are gonna stick around from one week to the next, is an example of maybe circulating variable capital. But we don't really get that in Marx, because of course he was writing at a time when there weren't these people that were going to have long salaried uh, positions within these, these factories. They were quite expendable, you know, they just were preparing to enter into the reserve army, essentially there's there was absolutely no guarantee that they were gonna stick around for a while. But some economists have given that some some thought. And anyways, that's more or less it. I'd like to hear if anyone has anything to add to that. Uh, I think it's a pretty important distinction, at least in understanding what's going on in uh, volume two of Capital. And yeah, if I got anything wrong, let me know. If you like what I did, like, share, subscribe, tell your friends. And yeah, catch you next time. Take care.